We begin by acknowledging the Gabi people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast episode is being recorded today, and pay respects to their elders, past and present, and to their parents with children with disabilities. This podcast contains truth, laughter, and the occasional F word, so it's not really suitable for children. Well, you probably won't hear quite so much swearing among the beans, you know. Well, yeah. <clears throat> not suitable for children. Sometimes you just have to get your shits out. Shit, 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 shit. That's right, this is a language warning. Oh, shit. Hello, peas and beans. Gary Bean here, in case you were wondering. I hope things are going okay for you this minute of this day. I know that uh, it may not last more than a minute or two, but for the moment, I hope that uh, the fact that you're listening means that you've been able to get a little bit of a, a break or you're in the middle of doing a very big task that you can take your mind off by listening. So thank you for putting us in your ears right now. Look, I have to tell you, I have just come off the conversation that I recorded with today's Bean, Kirk Thompson. Normally I record these interview, uh, these uh, introductions, sorry, uh, afterwards. I have a think about the conversation, I take some notes, I decide how best to introduce it. This time I'm going to go straight into it because I'm quite full of emotion having listened to this conversation and I thought maybe I could just put that in the introduction to let you know that this is a cracker of a conversation. Whether you're a mum or a dad, whether it doesn't matter who you are, um, anytime you get a chance to listen to somebody who's honest and self-aware and courageous enough to tell you things as they are, but who also demonstrates an ability to um, give things their all and find a way through what seems to have been an impossible uh, labyrinth of of darkness and despair or whatever, uh, it, you know, every time you hear a conversation like that, it's going to affect you, right? It's going to change you. And this conversation I had with Kirk was like that for me. Um, every dad I have spoken to, I will say this, every dad I have spoken to, I have felt afterwards what an honour that was and how it has, you know, impacted upon me and been something that's made me think or helped me to understand something or to be a better person. This one was a cracker. You you will find this next uh, three quarters of an hour to an hour worth your while. So stay with it and listen to my conversation with Kirk Thompson, who is a dad of three daughters, Kirk and Tara Thompson. Tara is in the Hangout. Many of you may even know her. Tara, thank you for uh, contacting Mandy and saying that uh, Kirk would be willing for the conversation. You're the one who got this started. And uh, good on you for all that you do as a mum. You, um, you, you come up quite a few times in the conversation, and rightly so. So this is my conversation with Kirk Thompson. And I hope you find it as important and enjoyable and wise as I did. G'day, Kirk. G'day, Gary. How are you going? I'm very good, thank you. And this is really great. Uh, thank you for making the time to talk to me. I know it's always something you have to fit in with everything else that's going on. So I greatly appreciate it. I, in fact, I think uh, you're heading off to a, a medical appointment not 
too far into the future in the next couple of hours. So thank you for putting this in here for us now. Um, what I thought we could do is just get straight into it with the questions that Kate and Mandy ask, and that will get us started, and then we can talk about you and your family, okay? Sure thing. Well, first of all, I just want to say, well, thanks for having me. So um, I appreciate you taking the time to, to get me on the podcast. Yeah, no, it's great, mate. Uh, and uh, thank you to your wife, Tara. Thank you, Tara, for um, <laughs> making out making contact with Mandy and uh, reaching out to us so that we knew that Kirk was interested. And, um, and so here he is, and I hope uh, he doesn't say anything that he regrets <laughs> later on. <laughs> Well, I, I am still a husband, so I'm sure to say something wrong. <laughs> it's almost compulsory, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, mate. So let's start with the music question. Anything you would like to recommend to either pick you up or calm you down? Yeah, okay. I had a big think about this one. So I don't really have set genres in music, but I listen to a bit of everything. But I think if I'm looking for a pick-me-up song, maybe maybe even like an amp-up song for a run or something, oh, yeah. uh, oh, my, yeah. go-to, my go-to band that I always put on would be the Amity Affliction, who are a, sort of a heavy Australian act who are okay. great. Don't know them. Yeah, and then um, a bit of a, a bit of a, a, I guess a pick-me-up song or a perspective song I really like is one by Regina Spector called Samson. Um, Samson. Yeah, and it's it's basically a story about um, the Bible story or person Samson, who yeah. uh, who was yeah. that strong strong man with long hair and yeah. looked down the columns, and she she sort of writes it in a way that he he isn't actually anyone; he's just a man that falls in love, and um, yeah, that goes. There's nothing in the history books of the Bible about him, but it's just an interesting perspective song. I've always loved from the first time I heard it. It really just makes me think about you know, in particular, my wife Tara and and um, what we have and how special it is. So um, yeah, they're, they're sort of my my, my two go-to songs or acts for different reasons. Okay. Now, there's two things there I wanted to ask. So, firstly, you're a runner. Is that right? I, I like to jog as much as I can. Um, yeah. So, it's, it's a way that I like to clear the mind a bit and also try and keep on top of the fitness. I get quite bored doing, like, gym work and things. So, I just try and, you know, put the music on and, and go for a bit of a run. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, okay. Good on you. Um, mm-hmm. And a great time to listen to podcasts or music, obviously, it, when you're it is. out and about. It is, um, absolutely. Now, Samson, that intrigues me. And you say you, you sort of identify or, or there's something about that that's meaningful to you. I mean, I guess those of us who are not biblically literate know about Samson and Delilah and we know that she was a, you know, she cut his hair and so he lost all his strength or something mm-hmm. because she was deceitful and, and he was foolish. Is that the way the story goes? Yeah, look, I think so. It's been a long time since I've, uh, I've been at school uh, studying mm. the Bible. I, I did have a Catholic school upbringing, but uh, I always liked two stories in the Bible as a kid, and that was the Samson story and also the David and Goliath story. So, so um, tell us why, Sam, why, why Samson? Oh, I don't know. I think I think the fact that he was he was, he was imprisoned and he was he was down and out, and um, you know they, they they cut his hair off, meaning he, they didn't think he'd have any strength. And then he was still able to um, define the inner strength and push down those columns. Um, to me, uh, that just spoke to me. I think I've always been interested in, in, in things uh, that, um, you know, have a, a story of an underdog or someone who's under underestimated, who's mm. able to rise to the top. Um, mm. And, yeah, that song, I've always liked Regina Spector. She's a, she's a really great, um, greatly great um, American or Canadian, I'm not sure. She's a North American artist. Yeah. Um, really huge in, in the circles that know her and things, but not really that well-known 
generally. You don't hear her on the radio and things very often, but um, no. she's actually a great artist. And yeah, the way she's written that song, it just it really resonated with me. Knowing that, that story as a kid, and then you know, knowing, knowing what it's like to have a to be in love with someone and, and things like that. It just uh, it's just one of those songs that always stuck with me from the first time I heard it. Yeah, that's intriguing. I, I, I don't mean to make too much of it. I just think mm. the things that do mean something to us are often interesting to contemplate. And, you know, he's mm. this man who was able to overcome, as you say, he was downtrodden, misunderstood, uh, in love. There are things there that maybe I just find fascinating. And I'm not a counsellor and this is not a counselling <laughs> session. <laughs> um, but that's why I asked. I just find that really interesting all right well let's let's move on because maybe we can uh unpack that thing a bit later like i I guess the question that's hovering in the back of my mind is what does that say to you about what it is to be a man and to be a husband and to be a dad you know all those kinds of things um and and it might be putting way too much you know importance on it so let's let's move on for now sure um (laughs) before i go too far down that rabbit hole so the (laughs) second question then is did you win any awards at school Oh, I, I didn't really. I was a, I was always a, a middle of the range student. You know, I, I enjoyed sport. I enjoyed studying, particularly uh, history side of things. But I was never a world beater in, in any field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I always did what I needed to do. I was never a bad student. I always was respectful. But um, no, I was never a, a world beater in any way at school. You know, I, I think I enjoyed the social aspect of school more than any other. Um, but no, no awards. No awards came out of my schooling life. Well, you don't need to, you know, feel bad about that at all. I mean, there are very, there are many of us. Um, and, you know, I think the background to that question for Kate and Mandy is to do with that very fraught question about our children, our sons and daughters having schooling experiences and how awards these days do seem to be com- quite unlike what they were many years ago. So it just yeah. opens up a conversation there about uh, something that, that can be quite... Um, painful or, or, or mm. complicated so okay well, well yeah and I, I guess that's a good point i mean nowadays the the of uh, the award system isn't like it was when i was at school um you yeah know, it wasn't participation awards 20 years ago um and and, and before that yeah, you know, i think i finished school 20 years ago next year so um you know you 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 earned the reward the or the award if you were the best at it um now that wasn't just that wasn't inclusive by any means um you had to be good at it to get the award which did, did leave people out but I think yeah. it sort of emphasised that that point of um, being good at it or, or working hard at it to win the award. But in saying that, the kids that couldn't win the physical awards, they were winning the um, intellectual awards and, you know, the math awards and things too. So mm. um, I guess there was awards for, for everyone and every ability. However, I just wasn't good enough for any of them to win. <laughs> so, well, you see, that's that's what it does though, doesn't it? <clears throat> I wasn't good enough to win the yeah, award. Oh, yeah, but look, uh, at the end of the day, I, I didn't try hard to win the awards either. As I said, I, you know, I played, I played a lot of sport outside of school, which I was good at, um, into school sports and, and um, trying to strive to be the number one at anything didn't really interest me. As I said, it was a social thing. I liked to learn. You know, I think knowledge is power, So, I, I, and I think I appreciate that a lot more now since I've left school and I've done a degree and, I love to read and learn, and particularly history stuff and uh, self improvement things. But yeah, at school it just wasn't it just wasn't my thing. I was just happy to go with the flow and um, have a good time and, and and learn as I went, and that was about it. Yeah, so that sounds very balanced to me. And yeah. listen, I would have a happy conversation with anyone who likes history, so that's a good point. <laughs> All right, so let's move on then to the third one, which will lead us into our conversation. So, why are you a what is called a bean? 
Yeah, so I'm a bean because I have a, my middle child, Willow, who was born with cerebral palsy and a later diagnosis of um, ASD, autism. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a, a bit of a turbulent uh, birth experience with her, emergency C-section at 29 weeks from a, a hemorrhage. Um, and that started our journey, a six-week six week journey in the NICU, where we learned, um, I think, about week four. She'd just gotten off her gotten off her CPAP and all those machines and got out of the humi crib and, you know, we were on the highest of highs one morning and then get told that uh, she had some some grey area on the right, I think it was the rear right of her brain in a scan and it meant that she was likely to have cerebral palsy and all these um, physical uh, disabilities which she would carry with her the rest of her life. So that started our journey there. So she was about four weeks old. Um, yeah. And then okay. I guess uh, I've been a bean ever since. However, I've only really learned about the, the bean uh, the Bean Network recently. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, there's a garden full of us, mate. Uh, it's just we don't always show up. There's a lot of things that um... – anyway, that's another story. So uh, at 29 weeks, you say, now I- I'm having a little bit of trouble sometimes hearing some of your words. What was the reason for the, the C-section at 29 weeks? Okay, so she t- – so Tara and my wife had a, had a bleed. Um, ah. Yeah, a really a serious bleed. Um, so she had to get rushed to hospital and um, – from there, they, they identified that they, I think it was a, a placental abruption or something like that, and that there was no way she had to come out basically okay. straight away. So they rushed her into the operating theatre. It was quite um, quite confronting. Um, you know, we had, with our first one, we had an, a natural birth. However, she was uh, she was a big girl that didn't want to come out, so they had to sort of pry her out. But we, so, so I was aware of what the operating theatre was like for that, but um, they didn't have to give her a C-section for the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when we talk about an emergency C-section for a premature baby, we're talking like 15 people mm. in the room. Like, it is intense. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't allowed in the room, so I had yeah. to sit in the waiting area. Um, yep. Yep. And, yes, yeah, so I had no idea what was going on. So it was, it was a very scary, confronting experience, and there was really no time to be explained what was happening because it was like we have to do this now. So the to their credit though, the, the doctors at the at the hospital and, and the nurses they were they're, they're always fantastic. They were trying to explain it, but they couldn't really they couldn't allow us enough time to sit there and get our head around it because it, it was a matter of life or death at that point. So yeah. So that um that that happened and then she got whisked away basically instant instantly by the um the NICU ambulance from from John Hunter up in Newcastle and they took her straight up and put her up in the Humi crib. So um yeah, it was a it was an interesting and very scary and confronting uh, couple of hours, and then um, Tara and I spent the night at Gosford Hospital, and then we went up the next morning to um, to see Willow for the first time. Wow, mm, yeah, that uh, that moment or those moments when you're on your own, not knowing what's happening, and you know you have to trust everyone to know what they're doing, and you have so much at stake. Um, mm, yeah, you know that. Um, I, I do have some experience of that too and uh, will never, I think, get over that particular experience. How um, how was Willow in those early days then? Yeah, she was she was quite good. She was very strong. They were really impressed with how strong she was. So they had her on the CPAP for the first couple of weeks, which is the, the compressed air like mask system to help, help yeah. her. You know, just to take that strain from breathing off her, so she, she doesn't tire out. Yeah, um, but she was a little rock star. You know, she um, she kept kicking her goals really well, and we had a really, really positive, good 
four weeks in there until we got that news. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, it's, um, it was delivered um, with about as much uh, empathy as a sledgehammer hitting a wall, which was un- which is probably the most unfortunate part of it, and I wasn't even present when they told Taros. Oh, really? <laughs> which was, um, yeah, unfortunate, which is really sad. And, um, you know, I confronted Tara or saw Tara running out of the, the NICU in tears because I, I just had – I was walking up from where we were staying – so I was around. I've been around the whole four weeks, but um, yeah, unfortunately, the the specialist at the time just decided to tell Tara quickly on the fly um, without me there. So You're was, kidding. Mm, so that was a, a really you know, and I, I went up and saw the specialist after and sort of said, well, "Explain to me what's happening," because Tara can barely talk right now, um, and, and you know, let him know that I wasn't happy that he just dropped it on her by standing there by herself next to the crib. But I mean, it didn't change anything at the end of the day. Uh, whether I was pissed off or not, but um, you know, I felt like I had to at least tell him that it was pretty inappropriate. But um, yeah, so that's where our, that's where our journey started from. I guess going from what we thought was going to be a uh, the life that we planned, or the life that that you know, although we just had a nickel experience, everything seemed to be fine. That she was just going to be a premature baby and and then develop, um, un, in, you know, in a normal way with no with no issues or, or disabilities. But um, that's yeah, that's where our life sort of took a bit of a deviation and we had to learn then how yeah. to yeah. how to you know do it that way yeah i mean you said it probably didn't make much difference what you said to the specialist but i tell you what did make a difference and that's the fact that you were there and as you say you were there the whole time and you know so good on you mate for showing up um even just showing up is 80 percent of it sometimes isn't it so 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 good on you for being there how was tara like uh, after the bleed and so on was she physically okay yeah, she was physically okay. I mean, she had the the C section. So, like any woman who's had a C section, or um, any any couple that've gone through a C section with their babies, know that it's a it's a harder recovery for the women. Unfortunately, in the hospital, she got a um, she got an infection, so she had to spend an extra two weeks on her back um, and barely been able to move. And but, so that was really unfortunate and sad because it meant that she couldn't just get up and sort of walk up to see Willow whenever she could because she wasn't in the same room. Obviously, Willow was in the NICU, so they were separated. So um, it, it restricted her a bit there. So I think that that really played on her a bit emotionally because it was super hard for her to even sit up, but she wanted to, to get up in that wheelchair and get pushed up to see Willow as much as she could. But once she got through that and you know, once that healed up, yeah, she was she was fine. Uh, and she, yeah, she's fine um, physically okay. from that. Yeah. Okay. Um, you use the word rock star. Uh, just just um, tell us about Willow. Who Who is this little girl? She's uh, nearly eight now. Is that right? Yeah, so she's eight in, at the end of the year. All right, um, so so if we met her, what are, who are we meeting? What does she like? What does she? What lights her eyes up? You know, what, what's what's this little girl like? Okay, she is uh, she's a blonde, very blonde haired, blue eyed uh, girl who is extremely sassy and knows what she likes and knows what and who she doesn't like. Um, she's very she's very brutally honest which i think you know it's that's part of a, a lot of people with um with autism that they they're very black and white and, and they don't as much have as much empathy there which sometimes can be uh, a bit confronting but other times it's good because you know where you stand always um she she loves to dance and sing she loves the voice absolutely addicted to the voice the show so um, that's taking over our lives at the moment since it's got another week left um and she she doesn't quit you know she she falls down a lot uh, as a lot of people with CP or any sort of physical disability do, they fall, but she always gets back up. So, um, you know, she she's someone who's definitely opened our eyes up to what it, what resilience means, 
Um, and she is, she's a lot of fun. Just don't annoy her. I think it's probably, it's probably if you annoy her, she's going to let you know and she'll probably wipe you for a good five or 10 minutes until she gets over it. (laughs) (laughs) And what about with her sisters? How do they get on? They get on great until they don't. And then it's World War Three. Um, <laughs> she, she's very, she can be very manipulative and, and, and noisy. So she'll go into one of the sister's rooms and just be like, oh, I want that. And she'll just take some of theirs and, and then it erupts. And then, um, yeah, it's, she, she's, she's beautifully, she's got a beautiful heart on her. Um, and the, and the sisters, when they get on well, it's just, it's such a nice thing to see. Uh, but I think there's a combination of, of how Willow is with her, you know, very honest and very upfront nature and then the fact that, you know, the girls are now, the other two girls are now four and eight or four and nine, sorry. So they're just at that age where they're going to clash and fight anyway and they're all girls. So it's a, it's a bit of a, a combination of, of um, all different factors coming in there to make um, when, when it erupts, it, it really erupts, yeah. And and so you're the only bloke <clears throat> in the house. Yes. There's four of them and there's yes. you. <clears throat> yes. How is that? How is that? <laughs> yeah, look, it's it's interesting, but we, we've, we've you know, in the last year we've got a, a, a male dog, a little Staffy, so he's my he's my boy. Um, okay. <laughs> although before before him we had a female Labrador for 14 years, so it really was <laughs> oh, just, no. it really was me in a, in, a, in a room full of, or a house full of women. Um, but, look, it's fine. Look, I love, I love the, I've always loved the idea of, of being, a dad to daughters, um, you know, the fact that I'll always look, they'll always be their superior. I'll always be the, the strongest man in their world, even though physically I'm not that big or strong. Um, I like that. I like that they can, you know, they'll always go to mum for that emotional support and things, but they'll I'll always have an important role to play in their life in, in a, in a dad way, you know, in a male way, which, which I love. Um, look, the fights and things, yeah, I try and stay out of them as much as I can, especially if they're over girly stuff. And I know I'm in for a, a huge challenge, you know, um, in the next sort of 10 years or so as, as those teenage years sort of come and different bodies change and things sync up. And, look, I've already had a, jo- a joke to Tara that we're going to try and save some money and buy a, buy a little investment property or somewhere so I can go there one week a month um, <laughs> and just, just have a bit, of, <laughs> a bit of me time or something. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's, there's the reality of it all. But, um, look, so far I love being a dad to, to a, a household of women, but it does have its challenges, no doubt. That, that could probably be something you could argue a little more successfully if you knew or if Tara knew she could have a week there on her own <laughs> each month as well, a different I, week. Look, Tara and I, we've been pretty good uh, at communicating about that early since we had three girls and when we got out, the house we're in now, it's, um, it has a double garage. That was sort of my, my, my main item was when we move and get a big house, I have to have a garage because I, I, the two houses before that, I've never had a garage. It's always been carports. And, and I said, I need a bit of me space. And she's like, no, I totally understand that. And so this house that we have, we've been in for nearly three years, it's got a double garage. So I've, I've been able to deck it out pretty well and put my tools in it and put, you know, a bit of gym equipment and things on the walls. And she was, um, you know, very, very accepting that I need a bit of my own man space, dad space. Um, so things were going great there until Ava started doing gymnastics and now um, my motorcycle is out under the carport and there's a big uh, one of those air track gymnastics mats stretched the whole way across the floor. Tara's got her treadmill in there. So, you know, they're starting to take over that space as well. So uh, I've got to have a look at a, a new strategy to um, <laughs> get some dad space happening or a bit of a man cave now. <laughs> and, and does Tara have or want to have a, a, a lady space, you know, a lady cave? Does she have a place where she can get some some me time 
Oh, look, the um, the the whole rest of the house is Tara's Lady Cave, um, <laughs> and she 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 accepts that. I um, I've I've got a little corner in the wardrobe, um, which is about <laughs> is about twenty five percent of the whole wardrobe space, as you can imagine. So, look, I don't I don't ask for much space. She can have all of it, and with the girls, but um, I just want my little my little corner of the world, which is my garage. So, I, yeah. I I'm sure I can hear all kinds of. <laughs> Things going through some of the the minds of our listeners, especially the, um, the the mums out there. But we won't we won't go any further down that way. So in your <laughs> in your man cave, your space there. Just quickly, then you have a motorcycle and you have your tools. Yeah. What what things do you do for therapy or for for your your time when you've got it? Okay, so I do try and get out on the bike. Uh, it was weekly. Uh, look, you know, for an hour on a weekend, if if it you know, with our schedule permits. Obviously, the weather of late's just stuff that up for everyone. So, um, but that's one of my things I like to do. I like to get out there and, and put the, um, get that air running through the helmet, that fresh air clears the mind. It allows me to turn off a bit of testosterone as well. I, um, I'm a very safe rider and driver. I don't, I don't have a need for speed or anything, but it's just that freedom. I think of being on the road. Um, and then, as I said before, I do like to jog. Jogging is a good, a good way for me to clear my head and, um, burn off a bit of, a few calories as well, but also a bit of testosterone and, and um, yeah, a bit of freedom. Um, mm. And I also work, I work away a bit too. So, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not stuck in a house full of five women, seven days a week or four women, seven days a week. So um, I do get a bit of chance to, to work away and, and also just have a bit of me time. You know, if I like to, I like to read at night where I can. Um, but yeah, I, um, they're sort of the main things I, I, that, that I can do time mm. permitting. In my defence, I, I do want to say I wasn't suggesting that you felt stuck there with four women. <laughs> that's not really what I was. Oh <laughs> no, that's that's they, you're, everyone. When I when I um, let them know that my family arrangement, they all sort of like oh oh three girls and a wife. You know, they all say sort of say the same thing. And look, I don't think anyone's thinking that I'm I'm trapped in my life in this house, no, uh, being no. tortured. But uh, look, I think they understand that there's a lot of. Um, I sort of say the joke that my life is a series of um, pink and emotions, um, and I think that sums up this the dynamics of this house really well. You know, I've got dolls everywhere, I've got gym mats everywhere. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's great. I wouldn't change it. But it's it's very female orientated. Let's put it that way. And I love what you said about you know you you were looking forward to being a dad of daughters. I think there's yeah. you know that's very lovely, and I and I I can relate. I think. Um, that's that's very special. So, you um, you were looking forward to being a dad, full stop, were you? Was this this something that you always had wanted and hoped for? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As, look, as a kid, I always loved holding holding people's babies, and you know, if I'd like, go somewhere with my okay. mum to meet one of her friends' babies, I would just sit there and cuddle up the whole time. And yeah, being a dad was always in my plans. There was there was never any any, any second thoughts or anything around that. Yeah. And how did you get on with your dad when you were growing up? Yeah, good. I I still do, but I had a, a good relationship with my dad. Um, um, yeah, he's a he's a mate as much as a dad too, um, which is and we still have that mate sort of relationship, which is great. Mm. Let's talk about uh, Willow for a second now. Uh, now, what specific kind of CP have they diagnosed it as? Okay, so she's she's been diagnosed with um, I think well I think technically she's diagnosed with uh, quadriplegia because she's infected in all limbs. Yep. However, there's varying um, severities in all, in all of her limbs. So um, she's got her. It's mainly it really affects her right side the most. 
Um, so her right, her right arm and hand, her hands always clenched up and her sort of turned in, and so up to her elbow. Uh, and her right leg is is a lot more affected than her her left leg. So she walks uh, in her own special way, like with a bit of a limp and from side to side with the hips a bit. Uh, her hips not entirely level. Um, and her left, the left hand is pretty well un, unaffected in terms of it. It, it functions pretty well, not like normally, like as a sure, which is which is great because um, look, if both her hands were really affected, that would just open up. It would be a lot more challenging for her. Um, and her one of her legs is actually a bit shorter than the other, so we have to have build ups on her shoes and things like that. So um, yeah, so she's 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 functional. Um, she wears AFOs on her on her feet. Um, which you know people would probably think that like a splint sort of setup on her on her feet, yeah, um, yeah, just to help give her a bit of rigidity through her ankles and things, um, particularly on her right side because it's that's really not much strength there at all, and it, her foot turns in and her toes sort of curl up. Um, but yeah, look for all, all intents and purposes, you know, we've worked really hard, and, and particularly Tara, my wife, at pushing her from day one to be able to be as independent as possible, and we're achieving that. Currently, you know, we'll keep pushing hard. She'll keep having her therapies, and and uh, we'll advocate for her to to be able to achieve as and live as much of an independent life as possible within the realms of her um, her functionality. That's what we all say. Hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. One hundred percent online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. One, isn't it? Um, and so with her left hand, is she able to control a device, a computer, pen, hold a pen? How functional yeah, so, is she there? Yeah, so she can she can hold a pen and write. Um, she can colour in, do those sorts of things. She can use her iPad. She'll pop her iPad up and use that hand. So basically every every bit of movement or function or control is by her left hand. Um, try We try to – we always have encouraged her right hand as much as we can, and that's – through all therapies and play and everything like that. Um, but it's just not – it's more of a like, like if she's trying to catch a ball, she'll have a left hand sort of grabbing it and a right hand just sort of coming around or right arm coming around. So there isn't too much function as such, as such in there in terms of assisting um, with grab, grabbing or anything like that. And, and when she's actually concentrating, like drawing or colouring, her, her right hand goes into like a default clench, clenching anyway. Mm. Um, it's sort of – 
it's obviously the way that her brain sends those signals. So, yeah, the more she concentrates or the harder she works, the more her right hand and arm sort of actually tense up and curl up. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's not uh, on the athetoid end of the spectrum. It's more the spastic end of the spectrum, the, the yeah, high that, tone on that correct. side. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just forgot what I was going to ask you. Something about that that I wanted to ask you. We'll we'll perhaps come back to it. Um, sure. So, well, well, let's talk then about her schooling. How has that been for her? I know she's only seven, going on eight. But how have you started that journey? Yeah, that's been a that's been a, well with COVID. It's obviously made it a lot harder, just in terms of routine. Um, you know, the ASD side of her is very routine based. So, we were able to get her to start kindergarten last year. So we held her back a year um, because she did have her SDR surgery in, in St. Louis the year before, um, just before or two years before that, just before the year before COVID. So we got really lucky. We got that in and out and back before COVID hit. Um, but um, the schooling, schooling's gone really well. Once once we were able to get her comfortable with her, her teachers and her carer at school and the routine of it, it, it went really well. And then obviously COVID hit which meant she spent the best part or most part of last year homeschooled, which sort of threw everything out again, which meant we almost started from scratch again this year. Um, but she's been able to um, get used to it again this year and she's absolutely thriving now, which is great. And has she, does she have, uh, have well, the homeschooling obviously has, as you say, affected everything. COVID has affected everything. Does she have peers or friends around her age? She does. Um, so she's got a really uh, – she she's one, She only needs one friend, if you ask Willow. So she's got her one friend at school who um, who they, they're, like, inseparable at school, and, and her friend is just the we're, – we're, we feel extremely lucky that she's found this friend, and, look, hopefully that, that friendship continues for forever, <laughs> fingers crossed. That's great, um, yeah. But she's just such a kind, um, a kind, understanding little girl. And, and look, she doesn't have uh, ASD or anything anything like that. She's just a super sweet, kind-hearted girl and just accepts Willow for everything that she is, and she just thinks Willow's just the most amazing person in the world. So we feel really grateful that she's found her and they found each other and she also has a beautiful family too. So we know that, um, you know, if Willow ever wants to go for a play over there, we'll be able to let her play there and, and she'll be supported and things like that. So at the moment, um, you know, fingers crossed that friendship can just keep blossoming and, and that does help a lot um, because Willow, you know, if she, if she trusts people and likes people, then she's able to be herself. It's when she feels um, that she, you know, if she feels threatened or anxious or anything, that's when she sort of goes into a shell and that's when, you know, these the, those um, ASD meltdowns and things will happen and she sort of reverts to that baby talking and, and, and stuff. So, you can always see when she gets triggered and changes, but um, no, so far with, with her friends, she's been able to yeah, lock in a really good one and, and hopefully that continues. That's wonderful, that story about the friend. Uh, that's just, you know, um, so much in that. Uh, how about your parents and Tara's parents? Are they within reach? Are they close by? Can they be part of all of the, all of the family life? Yeah, absolutely. So we're really lucky that we've got a we've got a close family network, including um, you know, brothers and sisters and things too. So... Tara's mum is probably about a two-minute drive around the corner uh, and both of my parents are probably a 10-minute drive away. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're very very lucky to have them, them, them around and, and really, um, really involved as much as, they, as much as they want to be and as much as we can, we can let them you know, with our schedule. So, and yeah. they, they do want to be involved by the sound of it? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they want to be involved. Um, okay. They're always helping you know, pick up the kids or, you know, if we, we need a night out or whatever, they'll, they'll stay at one of the nens' houses. So, yeah, they're, in, they're involved 100%. Yep. That's wonderful. Um, you're in Gosford, is that right? Yeah, I'm in. So I'm in. Um, I'm about twenty minutes north of Gosford. I'm in a, a suburb called Chidaway Bay, which is um, sort of uh, just about ten minutes from the freeway, the M1 there. So um, yeah, so okay. not far from Gosford, but uh, closer to the entrance. If um, yep. you know, probably Gosford and entrance, are the two points that a lot of people out of town would would sort of recognise. But um, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, it, it's it's got the potential to be a community kind of. Uh, uh, location, isn't it? Where, as you say, you can have friends and family and relatives and and know each other and be close to each other. So that's that's great. How about um, yeah. medical uh, access there, specialists and so on? You'd have to go to Newcastle, would you? No. So 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 Central Coast has very good health facilities, and and we are quite a big population these days. So um, her paediatrician is in Gosford. Um, they're her other specialists, they are in Sydney. They're at, um, they're at Westmead Children's in, in Sydney, which is where we're heading today. But um, no, in terms of her, her ped is only 20 minutes away and then all her therapists, physio, OTs and things, they're all they're all local. So they're all sort of within a 20-minute radius. Nice, great. Yeah. How about NDIS, Kirk? Have you had to and have been able to access some support there? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, we've been on NDIS since it first kicked in. Um and I mean, so we've had a couple of, you know, probably two instances where they um, they were painful and and just didn't know what they were talking about. But other than that, it's been it's been okay. It's been pretty good. We've um we've always had enough support budget to get through the year in terms of our daily activities. So you know, like OT um, sessions and that sort of thing. It's the day to day, and we've self managed it. Basically, from the first year, we didn't self-manage, and then we went over and self-managed it, and found that to be a much, a much better way to do it, or much oh, easier way to get, get to achieve things. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you have support workers apart from, you know, allied health professionals coming in and into the home? Uh, yeah, we do. Um, most of Willow's most of Willow's therapies are in or, or out, out out of our house, so they're at the the, the premises of that professional. We do have uh, one of them, maybe her OT. I can't. I get so confused with the different <laughs> different titles of all the therapists that actually come and do a, an in home one. Um, but other than that, no, we don't have too much in home support. We we prefer to go out, to be honest. Mm. Okay. Well, it's sounding like you've got a number of things in place that are really supportive and helpful. You've got the family, you've got some friends. Willow has this lovely friend. You've got some support through NDIS for the for the things that you need just for now. And, you know, at, at her age, I guess um, there are challenges down the future that you don't have to think about just yet. So um, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's great. But, of course, you know, none of this was what you expected and none of it was uh, what you could plan for or prepare for. So as a, uh, as a dad who wanted daughters anyway and who, who loves to have daughters, how, how well prepared did you feel you were and how well have you, have you, do you, would, would you say you've coped well with the additional challenges of, of, uh, of her additional needs? Yeah, oh, absolutely not. Um, no, so look, I'm in a really good place now, and I have been for probably the last year, 18 months. Um, 
before that, though, I probably went through a, a five-year journey of struggle, um, of depression, um, of of keeping things in 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 the facade of happiness, which was um, which was tiring. It was exhausting, and uh, looking back on it now, it's really unfortunate that I put myself through that for so long. Okay, well, so you say depression? That's not clinical depression, but you were what in a dark place. Yeah, so I got I got to, I got diagnosed with situational depression, okay. uh, and ba- and basically that stemmed back from Willow's birth uh, and the trauma of that whole situation, and then it just sort of uh, snowboarded from there. So, you know, as the journey went on, and I started to realise that it wasn't the journey that I'd envisioned for my life, and I started to realise that it was going to have a huge impact. Um, on the plans that we we had made, um, and, and how well we had you know both studied and and worked hard to just I mean look inverted commas you know uh, a normal life as, as such, um, but you know I had to I had to face that at some point, and I knew for a long time that I was struggling, and and that struggle sort of just manifested into you know work stress and everything just got on, got on top of me um, until yeah until one day when I just basically had a breakdown and hit rock bottom and then um, realised I needed to get some help. Oh, really? Um, breakdown's a pretty strong word. Mm. Um, did you want to describe that? What what happened, mate? Yeah, so I, I guess what happened was I, uh, I I came home one day or I was out at a function with, with Tara and I had it in my head that I was done. You know, the, the issue I, I had... I had too many things going through my head that I was uh, a burden on Tara and the kids. Um, I felt like things were so broken that I couldn't fix them. I just thought the best thing to do is cut cut my losses here, leave the car and the kids and just let them be happy without me bringing them down and me bringing this um, depressed, sad state to the house. So that was the direction I chose to go. So I basically told Tara that I, I you know, I didn't want to be with her anymore and I, I wanted to do different things in my life. Um, so I left for, oh, I think I left for about a week. I went up and stayed at, our, our work has a, a rental house, which I sometimes stay at during the week because I work away. So I went up there and um, that was it for me. I was thought this is the best thing to do and, and I'll be able to be a great co-parent and, you know, I'll, I'll continue to support Tara financially. She can have a house and all these things. So, and um, you know, then my f- family and friends are sort of saying, "Look, this isn't the way you're thinking. It's not. It's not rational. You know, you, you, you may be depressed. It's this isn't you, and all those sorts of things." And, and and to me, I think I'd been living, you know, the last five years of it. That I just believed that was me. That was the way that I I was now, and and that was the way I had to go. So, uh, in the end, um, Tara sort of asked me to have a chat with her at the end of the, the end of that week, and just to, just to hear her out, which I thought I definitely owed her. Do the opportunity to do that you know i'd sort of just packed a bag and left without really much um much reason for her so you know it was it was pretty upsetting for her just because she didn't really understand what was going on and um in that chat we had she sort of just sort of know she she just it's like she was reading my mind and all the things she was saying and made me realize that you know let's um, she was here for me and whatever she whatever i needed to 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 try and feel better that that she was fearful so i um i decided that at that point i wasn't going to walk away uh, i had too much to i had too much to lose to not try and 
see what was going on. So from there, I uh, I went and to the doctors, um, <clears throat> told him what what you know what was happening, and and he sort of said that you know from trauma, different people handle trauma differently. It could be some people might think it's minor, some people might think it's major, but in any event, everyone's got their own journey. Uh, and, and sometimes during trauma and, and, and the lead-on events from that over how many years that the um, some of the, um, the the imbalances in the brain and, and the, I think it's five different, um, well, not hormones, but um, there's a word for it. But anyway, he put me on a, uh, an antidepressant and then booked me straight in to go and see a counsellor. And, um, yeah, from there, I guess I um, – I've only gotten better and better, and it's been a bit of a, been a bit of a road. And you know, I had to try and get that trust back with Tara that I wasn't just going to have a hard day and walk out again. And I think I've been able to build that trust back up. Um, and, and probably one of the main the main decisions I made was to to quit drinking. Um, so I think I got onto the um, antidepressants around the December, and then a couple of years ago, and then I in the March following. I said I'm going to stop drinking. It was it wasn't doing anything for my recovery at all. Um, it wasn't doing anything for the the family life and them trying to realise that I was getting better. So I set myself a 12 month challenge from that March to to not drink, and I completed that March two months ago. Um, and in that year, I had the best year of my life, with hands down. You know, my, my relationship with Tara blossomed, the relationship with the girls, my patient levels have improved. Um, work-wise, I've been promoted. I'm kicking goals there. I've built great relationships, had great outcomes. So I've decided to just not go back to drinking at all now. Uh, I don't see any positives or any any anything good that could come out of going back to drinking. And I don't really miss it, to be honest. And I've, I feel a lot, um, a lot healthier and a lot more energetic as well. So... So it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a long journey, a couple of years now. But um, yeah, look, I, I think I've put myself in a, a position now where I, I can I can see the, the you know the positives even associated around Willow's diagnosis. Um, I'll never see I'll never see or come to terms and say you know we're blessed or Willow's blessed to be born with disabilities. I, I don't buy that. It's not my way of thinking. I, I think that. You know, life's life's hard enough for everyone from day one anyway, without having to be born with additional challenges. So I'll never I'll never be able to reconcile or, or accept that this is a good outcome. Um, but I'll I'll be, I can now see that there is positives in her journey. I don't look f- at, at the future now and, and feel fear like I used to or worry. Um, yeah. So um, so yeah, it's been a bit of a turnaround. That's for sure. It's been quite a journey, but. Um, proud of where I am, and and um, yeah, things are looking good. Kirk, <laughs> that was incredible, mate. Uh, you are obviously quite self-aware, and your honesty and your courage in being able to relate all of that um, has meant a lot to everyone who's listening right now. There are so many things there that you touched on that. I'm sure resonated with so many of us. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Um, and good on you <laughs> for, you know, getting to where you are now. Uh, it just seems to me like the things that you were struggling with, you know, it. my suspicion is that when a person struggles and withdraws or attempts to um, 
remove themselves from the situation or whatever, it, it, it can seem selfish. And I'm yeah. sure there are some selfish aspects to it, but it isn't just selfish, is it? I mean, you talked about not wanting to be a burden, not wanting to make things worse because you couldn't help with the things that you felt you know you should be able to help with, all of those things, which, which obviously were not true, but they were part of your motivation. And again, I would just say I think that's a lovely quality and uh, has probably served you and Tara well. But just overall, let me say man-to-man, mate, um, <clears throat> and try not to get too emotional about it. That's, that's, um, that's a brilliant snapshot that you've given us. Thank you. Um, you and Tara, you're okay? You're good? Yeah, look, we're great. We're, um, we're the best we've ever been. We're the most honest we've ever been. Um, I think we're the most loving we've ever been, playful, all those things. Um, yeah, we're in, a, we're in a great place now, a really great place, and um, it's amazing. We, we've been married 13 years this year. Uh, I think we got together when we were both 18, so uh, what's that? I think 18 years, so 2004, we got together, and, um, you know, we can, we can now look back on everything, yeah, but now also know that we're in such a strong place now and and looking forward to to all the other things that come along, the challenges, the good times, yeah. uh, all those things now. So, no, we're, we're great. Well, again, good on you. And good on you, Tara, for the steps you took to make sure that door didn't close and doing doing your best to, you know, see what could be, could be done. And uh, for the fact that both of you are doing this together as a team and that, uh, you know, so good on, good on both of you. How, how are you with, uh, with other blokes, uh, Kirk? Have you got friends? Have you got some mates that uh, you would talk to about things like this from time to time? Yeah, I've got a good bunch of mates. I'm, I'm very lucky like that. I've got I've got one mate in particular who had a journey before me with his son. Um, he went through the whole emergency C-section um, experience. Um, his son also has ASD as well. So so he was my he was my guy that I sort of was more honest to or, or spoke about. We we always bounced things off each other. We always checked in with each other because we knew what it was like to to live in a family. Um, of disability families so we understood the challenges that no one else did the ones that, that no one else can relate to because they don't live in that world um but, but even with him i wasn't i wasn't totally honest you know like I, I didn't tell him exactly how bad things felt inside um you know and he i only saw him a couple of weeks ago for dinner and he actually he apologized that he didn't see you know he didn't pick up on it and da da da. and you know i felt i felt bad that he he felt he had to apologize because I mean, no one knew. Tara didn't know. My, my parents didn't know. You know, I, I did a really good job of, of wearing that mask while I was really sad inside. So, um, you know, he's a he's a great, great mate. And, we, and we've only gotten stronger because we have that to share, that journey together. Um, that's really it's really being able to solidify our, our friendship in that way. It's got its own little special friendship to it that, that I don't have with some other guys that I've been mates with a lot longer. Um, and then I have another, uh, all these other bunch of mates who um, – some of them I've known since I was in year two. You know, my best mate is, you know, my number one guy. Who I, you know, I love him like a brother. Uh, and then and another bunch of mates who are sort of I've come to know because they might be friends, um, Tara's friends with their partners, and, you know, we're all in this big group now. So now I've got a really good bunch of mates and, um, you know, two, two different sort of differing levels of, of friendship and relationship there. It's uh, it's incredible talking to you, Kirk. I, I have to say thank you again for this. B- before we, we're getting close to probably our time, um, was there anything you wanted to touch on that we missed that you really think, you know, should be said at this stage? Yeah, look, I think 
I think the, the, the main thing I look back on now and, and, and regret is the fact that I knew when I was struggling um, that I was struggling and, that I, and, I, and I always talk to myself and think, fuck, one day I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a breakdown one day. I'm gonna, it's going to get too much. I need to take some action. Um, and I just kept, kept trying to think, no, it'll get better, it'll get better. And it just didn't, didn't get better, you know. So now that I am in the place that I am and, and I went and got the professional help that I knew I needed for so long and, you know, I needed to confront those things that, that I felt inside, I now look back on it and, and, and I have a regret that I let myself live for those years feeling that way. Um, I think it really, it really um, hit home when I was looking at some videos. I think Tara might have put up on Instagram or something of some things that Willow used to do when she was littler and some little milestones and that she hit. You know, might have been taking a couple of steps or just playing or dancing, and they were really happy moments. But I don't remember. I don't remember them, and I was there. But I just don't remember them because I wasn't seeing the happiness in those moments. I was only seeing the sadness or the depressed side or the fear that, oh, yeah, she's doing that at three, but what about when she gets to school and she gets bullied, all those sorts of things. So I think if I could give any advice to, to anyone, but particularly the dads out there, um, it's just if you know you're not feeling yourself or you're not, you're not uh, dealing with the situation, it's just to talk to someone. It doesn't have to be your, your partner or a doctor. It could just be a mate that you trust. Um, just anyone, just even to get it off your chest. It, it, it may not mean you go and get help straight away, but it may mean that you're coming to talk, even to talk and, and vocalise those things that you, you know, that someone else has, you got an ear, someone else you might be able to just call up when you're feeling a bit low. So, yeah, that's probably the main thing that, the main message that I want to get out of this this chat is that if you are struggling, just um, don't live your, don't live five years in regret because I can't get those years back now and I can only be the best dad I can now to the kids and best husband. But, you know, that was a long, it's a long time of someone's life or my life to, to know that I was living in a, in a, in a, a fake sort of life of showing a facade and, and the knock on effects that had to my work and everything as well, not dealing with things. Um, it, it wasn't just that one aspect of, you know, Willow's diagnosis and, and that I was sad about that, but everything else was perfect. You know, it, it affected every aspect of my life. So um, pick up the phone, call your mate, I don't know, even go out and punch the shit out of a punching bag. Do something to try and deal with what you're feeling inside. But I think at the end of the day, um, at some point, you need to get professional help to try and sort it out. And it's amazing that I'd struggled for five years, but it really only took about six months or probably less than six months before I went, once I got the help and I was on the meds and I quit drinking that I went, fuck, I feel great. I didn't think I could ever feel like this again. You know, I feel like the 15-year-old I was riding around my mates after school, no responsibilities, carefree, and just living life and loving it and feeling positive about everything. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably the main the main thing I want people to, to realise that um, you may feel like shit, but you can feel good again. And, and once you do, you'll, you know, you'll just go from strength to strength. I'm just sitting here thinking what we might give this episode as a title and one thought that occurred to me was punch the shit out of a punching bag <laughs> or yep. fuck, I feel great. <laughs> yeah, look, look, 100%. I think, um, look, one, one thing in the message and, and now being able to talk to people and and I do the same thing at work now. So I, I was open with my general manager at work about a lot of things and, and, and the work at that point because I work in construction. So it's a... 
it's an industry, you know, of lots of suicide and, and lots of marriage breakdowns and things like that. And um, once I told him about it and the company's trying to go in that direction of trying to get a lot more support from people, which, which all companies are now, they've sort of seen that, um, you know, work does add to people's stress, particularly in construction. And um, so he asked me to be the chairperson of the wellbeing group. So I, I run a, a group of seven now um, to to come up with strategies and implement strategies and things for the company. Um, we're a nationwide construction company too, so we're a reasonable size. So I think the fact that I was able to be honest with him, he gave me the responsibility of of being able to continue with my journey because um, it's helping my journey as well. Talking about it to other people helps my journey, helps me continue to to grow and realise that, um, you know, I'm not – I don't think there's a magical cure for the way I felt. Yes, I was diagnosed with being depressed, but it, that's the situations around that. They're always going to be there. It's part of my life now. It, it's how, how I manage them and how I perceive them. And I think perspective's everything in this. Um, but to be able to talk to other people, to be able to talk on this podcast – um, to try and now emphasise that if I think people are just not seeming themselves, that I get on the phone or I flick them a text message going, hey, you seem to be down, are you okay? Whether they write back or not, that's up to them. But I think, you know, by trying to share the story, I'm actually helping others but also helping myself. So um, I want my message to be blunt. I don't need it short code or anything. I think the podcast should have a name like that. I, I think it needs a name that dads and that look at it and go, well, this, this could be an interesting thing to hear. Um, they're swearing in the title. This title's pretty raw. I wonder what this is about. So... Yeah, I think mate, we'll pick pick whatever your pick whatever whatever fun you think think uh, works. But I think <laughs> I fu- punching the fuck out of a punching bag probably sounds pretty yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> mate, this has been just such such a pleasure. I, I you're a bloody good dad, and I you know I admire you as a as a bloke as well, a dad to dad. Thank you so much for talking to us. You've done a lot of good by uh, what you've said and your rawness, your honesty, your wisdom your courage there are people who've heard this now who um are in a different place than they were when they started so thanks kirk it's been great talking to you no i appreciate your time and thank you for the kind words and um mate, thanks for the podcast doing great things and let's hope we can continue on the journey and try and make people realize that um you know the current state of mind can change and, and things can only get better if you give them the chance to Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.